thank him. Isn't it awesome? We are so lucky. <laughs> we are. The word's blessed, but, you know, any word that means we're, you know, blessed, favored, envied. We're envied. <laughs> this whole ministry is envied. So awesome. Okay, let me have the time. I thought it was awesome how I could go on forever with a message. And um, I think I did really good last time. The Lord really got it where we, I think we did it in an hour and 15 minutes. Was it Todd? Todd's gone. Where is everybody? Everybody's using the... Hold on for a second. All right, praise the Lord. This lesson about burial is so deep. Get it? <laughs> it's so deep. <laughs> I can't even begin to... I can't even do it all tonight. That's just how, how much revelation has flowed into me the past couple weeks. And it wasn't just focusing on the word burial. The Lord really had all this other revelation coming into me. And then when we started talking about death, burial, and resurrection, it all just started to just, I mean, it's an explosion right now in my mind. I could go off on many different lines. And it's like, you know how when you can get the whole picture and graphics, but you still got to teach it all baby step by baby step? That's how my mind is on this. And it's amazing, the testimonies that we had. It's amazing some of the things that were already set up here because... I was going to go right into finishing the last lesson, but the Lord gave me a different opening for this. We're still going to hit what we're talking about, and but I have a different opening because, thank God, the kingdom of God has already come. I mean, do we realize the kingdom of God is already here and that Jesus already redeemed us from the curse? <laughs> I mean, when we can get that grip that we're already supposed to walk in the kingdom, and that we're not supposed to be worrying about all this other stuff because he has told us not to have any anxiety, not to have anything, anything to worry about because if we're stepping it out with him, he's already got everything taken care of. It takes so much meditation of that word. It takes so many steps forward towards him to start believing that that is really true. You know, we can read a sentence and we can say, okay, I connect with that, but do we really believe it is a whole other story. So... Excuse me. Now I drink all that water. All right. Well, praise God. We are in the season of death, burial, rest. We're going to really talk about rest in the next couple of weeks and the next couple of months. And then re resurrection. Yeah, this is hard to teach after we worship this song. You just want to just rest in the glory, right? We are to journey in faith with Christ. All right. So when we look at this, you know, for some people that are new here, this is our chart. We call it the journey of faith. It's when we're lost and we become born again. And everybody's born again with a measure of faith. So that regenerated born again spirit, that little light inside is a measure of the faith God has given you. And then we have to work out the salvation. We have to walk it out, gaining more of Christ and less of us. So if you notice in this chart, the little light gets what? Brighter, brighter brighter. And it not only grows from the center of our heart, it comes from the center of our being. It fills our heart. And then before you know it, it fills our voice. And then it's filling our head. And we are really walking and talking as Christ has led us to. So the journey in faith with Christ, we have to do this with Jesus. We're doing it with him. We are walking through something with him. So that's awesome. When we recognize that we have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, 
And that if we tap into that Holy Spirit, that means Jesus wants to dwell with us. The Father wants to dwell with us. We have a constant up and down, ascending and descending with the Father. Isn't that powerful? I mean, and I know a lot of people engage into this, but for those of you who this is still really, you're figuring this out, man, as you press forward in your worship and your word, man, a confidence like Zinni was talking about, a boldness, it rises up. Something in you takes over your mind and it starts leading you in the right way. So there is a victory that we all already have. The victory is already in front of us. Can you put up Revelations 12, 11? I love this verse because and I wanted to open with it because Revelations 12, 11 states, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. It's funny how when we go up here and start talking testimonies, we, we want people to come up here and tell the what? The testimony, the word of their testimony. But it's awesome. The first part says, that we overcome him by the blood of the lamb. That means because of the cross, because Jesus came and he walked on the cross. He walked out the cross. Do you know what I mean? We now have the blood. We can claim the blood. We can speak the blood. We can speak his name because there's power in it. Then when it says by the word of their testimonies, that means every time we move from glory to glory, we move from position to position, we gain an other experience with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Experience. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Experience. <laughs> I am telling you. All right. Remember, we're in the glory. So I'm going to make up some new vocabulary. The Holy Experience. Okay. <sighs> okay. So it's a transforming faith. Our testimony is telling a transforming faith, something that has definitely changed. It's truly a transformation. And there is a seed that that gets planted. Somebody comes and waters it, and then God gives the increase. All the time, God gives the increase. So it's a process. Go ahead and put up the picture. Oh, before you put this picture, hold on. Do not love their lives. I love this. Do not and they did not love their lives to the death. That means you weren't doing it for yourself. You were doing it because you are doing it with Christ. He already went to the death. Now we have to experience it in the soul. We don't have to physically die and suffer. Our thoughts do. Put up Ruth 1, 16, 17. I love this verse in Ruth. I don't know how many people know the story of Ruth, but it's awesome as you get into that story. It reminds you, one of the things I talked about last week is when you are dying and you're going to go into burial, when you actually experience that, one of the things that the Lord showed me that you have to be committed. There is commitment. In a burial, you can't dig it back up. When you, I loved it when Carl and Mamie told the story about how they made all their finalists of everything. And they actually went out to some dirt. <laughs> and they dug that dirt. Mamie said she dug down how many feet, Mamie? Six feet, right? Okay. <laughs> And she kept digging and digging. But no, Pastor Carl, Pastor Carl says, hey, we aren't going to love our life to the death. We're actually going to do what Christ showed him to do. Christ showed him to take these lists and then they were going to get on their knees with some dirt and they were going to dig up the ground and they were going to do what? Bury it. This is the best part about demonstration, right? They bury it. They bury it, right? The next week, everything cups uprooted. (laughs) 
Everything comes uprooted. Why? Because Pastor Carl was being a pastor at that time. He pastors his wife and he said, we're going to do this. If this is the burial season, then we're going to jumpstart early. Burial just started. <laughs> the burial season just started. Some of us haven't even identified what we need to bury, but Pastor Carl's on it. He was like, honey, we're going to decide what we need to bury and we're going to actually go do it. They actually took a demonstrative step towards the call on this ministry. And this year is a year of movement. Why is it a year of movement? Every year is a year of movement. This is the year we're going to learn about the real movement. This is why it's the year of movement, because we're going to actually learn how to walk in the way Christ has for us. We're going to learn how to receive the truth, and we're going to learn how to experience the resurrected life. So this is a year we're really going to learn this play by play. And so we can understand his knowledge. We can actually experience his counsel. We are going to increase in his might. We are actually going to learn how to do this. And that's why there is movement every year. But this year is so concentrated on how does the movement really move? So it's awesome. One of the things we have to do is we have to have commitment. When Carl said, we're going to bury this, now Carl was taking a demonstration. And they were actually physically doing what they understood burial was. The beautiful thing is what wasn't really buried came to surface and then they really knew how to attack it because they were like, we're going to really do what? Bury it. Right. And so praise God. It didn't take long. Once they actually put the, hey, hey, how long in a cemetery does it take for the grass to grow on top of the, <laughs> the site, right? It takes some time. You always know a fresh grave. It's got the mounds. They throw all the flowers on it. Okay. Think about that. They actually made something. It was boom, 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 permanent. It's buried. Things are moved on in their life. Isn't that awesome? Because they heeded the counsel and the voice of God, they were able to walk that out. But that took commitment. This is what I love about Ruth. Ruth said there was a lady, Naomi, her mother-in-law. They actually experienced death in Ruth, a physical death. Naomi lost her husband. Ruth lost her husband which was Naomi's son, this woman lost all her children and her husband, right? All so God could slim her down to get her to move back with Ruth to another place. But I love it because Ruth said to her, because she said, go find husbands, go find something else. In fact, this is, I don't know if it says it in here. It actually said, when Naomi said to Ruth and the other one, the other, Oprah, Oprah. Oprah. yeah, 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 Oprah, Oprah. Oprah. And said to them, the one was like, all right, I'll go back to my mother's house. And they cried and wept. But Ruth said, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay with you. And she kept insisting, go find yourself a new husband. You know, go find yourself another husband. And then she went to the law. Well, am I going to have children to give you another husband? But no, Ruth said to her, entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from the following after you. For wherever you go, I will go, and wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more, and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. That is what God wants us to say to him. He wants to say, you are my God. I'll go wherever you go. I will die wherever you die. You can go ahead and bury me wherever you are buried. Do you get what I'm saying? Christ already came and he was what? Crucified, buried, okay? And he, that's the way he wants us to be. He wants us to be able to walk this out with him and, be, and know that we are that dedicated. I liked it when 
um, Sheila said, um, hey, this is my husband. I get it because Christ is my husband. So I'm going to die when he dies. I'm going to go through this with him because he will do it. He is going to do it for the better of my life. He wants us all to walk along with him, not so we can physically die and physically be buried, but he wants us that committed. Are we that committed? I can't see because the darkness is beyond those lights. So maybe that's a good thing. (laughs) But it is a process. I like it. Ruth walked with whatever measure she believed in Naomi's God, which was the true God. She already came from a world of false idols. She knew to continue walking on. Jean sent something to everybody this week, and it was a picture. Go ahead and put it up. And this is awesome. We have to be committed. This is a picture that shows commitment. (laughs) It says, fall in love with the process and the results will come. That means you have to be what? Committed. You have to be committed to the process. This woman's strong, right? Let me see it from here. I mean, on the phone, it's really that that, she is holding on and she's not going to let go because she fell in love with the process and results will come. The more we continue to walk out and stay committed to God, staying committed in burial is so important because there are going to be some things that are going to try to re, I don't even know the word, resurface themselves. Yeah. So the result is an unwavering faith. She has an unwavering faith. Think about it. In Christ, when we commit our heart to him, we, he wants to raise us up every step of the way in an unwavering faith. He wants us to become strong in a relationship with our Father God. Jesus came to reconcile us back from the Father. It's not just a relationship with the Holy Spirit and with the Son. We are to grow into an actual relationship with the Father. We share in his victory over Satan. Jesus already, he already, he already put the enemy to death. So we are to share in his victory over Satan. We participate in the victory every time we say his name. Every time we plead the blood. Every time we tell of our testimony. Because in that, results will come. There is a result in his name. There is results with the blood. There is results with your testimony. Isn't that awesome? The enemies, the word says, are silenced. The enemy is silenced. Because why? Who already did the work? Jesus. He already came and did the work for us. Think about this. Our death and burial are nothing like what he went through. It's nothing. We just have to surrender our soul to loving him. If we pursue him in just the love of wanting to know him, amazing what revelations come to you. I mean, I can't even, I am so thankful that I don't have to be at work at a certain time because I, oh my gosh, I get to absorb a revelation and then I can't wait to get home. Rachel says, mom, will you sit and talk to me? I really want to get into my room. (laughs) And I've had to work at spending more time with Rachel because Rachel's like, mom, you can stay, you can stay in that forever. But you just so fall in love with knowing more of him because knowing him is really knowing who you are. And so the more we grow in that relationship, we're knowing more who we are and what God created us to be. That should make us excited, right? Frank, here for the second version. 
right? We advance the kingdom of God on earth. That is our assignment. Everybody's assignment in here is to advance the kingdom of God on this earth. You are each assigned to do something for this next move for this next time. We talked last week about how Moses came and he had his assignment. What was Moses' assignment do? To bring him out of bondage, okay? Right. It's hyper, oh, <laughs> location difference. Okay, um, <laughs> to bring him out, with Moses is assigned to bring him out. Is there music? I'm feeling stillness. Just, it's just transferring. I always do that at home, too. I walk in, I'm like, Rachel, where's the music? Mom, I didn't change it. It's the interchange of the songs. There we go. I do. It happens. I go like this. I need to feel like my house is uh, immersed. And with what? It's breathing. My house breathes the the word and the song. Um, where was I? Oh, Moses had a job. Moses came because his assignment to advance the kingdom of God was to help the Israelites get out of Egypt. That was his assignment. But his assignment wasn't to bring him into the promised land. It wasn't his assignment. He got to enjoy his whole life, have a relationship with God to move him in what he was doing. Then Joshua was assigned. Joshua came in and his assignment was to do what? Take him into, enter into the promised land to pass through and then to start possessing the land. But then Joshua passed away and then they didn't possess all the land. Do you like how everybody has an assignment? Everybody is assigned to accomplish something. Eddie Joe, what is your assignment, Right. You have to ask yourself, what is my assignment? Chris, what is your assignment? Frank, what is your assignment? What? Niana, what? We should be, I mean, asking ourselves, what is my assignment? If you don't know what your assignment is, you need to start asking because it's a part of advancing the kingdom of God on the earth. If you want it, you can have it. If you want it, you can have it. It says, he, his glory is to be revealed in us through Christ. It's part of the journey. All right, put Isaiah 43, 7. And this is where we're going to get into why do we have to die? Why do we have to be buried? Why are we looking for the rest? Why? I mean, this is kind of important to me. If I'm going to have to go through these beginning two spots (laughs) and know that there's all this change, I want to know why. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory, I have formed him. Yes, I have made him. Now, this gets really awesome because, and I have to look at two sets of notes. It was amazing, all the, the stuff and for this. It was just awesome. Everyone who is called by my name, do you know everybody sitting in here? Everybody who accepted Christ in their heart? We're all called by his name. Everybody is called by his name. But when I, and it says, whom I created for my glory. Don't you like this? Frank was created for God's glory. Why is he going to die and be buried? For his, everybody, glory. glory. Right. Well, that word glory is so important. Do you know what I mean? She's doing this. Why? For his glory. For his glory. All right. So because he says, I have created whom I have created for my glory. So each and every one of us, James, you're doing this for what? His glory, for God's glory. We have to remember, advancing the kingdom of God is for his glory. I have formed him, and yes, I have made him. I'll tell you, when I read that verse, I have formed him, and yes, I have made him. I like this. In Genesis 2.8, you don't have to bring this, but I thought it was really cool because it really hit my 
my head, he put formed and made. Would you know in Genesis 2.8, he says, I formed man. But then in Genesis 2.18, he says, I made woman. <laughs> so this is a group effort. He made sure to identify both of us in this. He says, I have formed him, man, all right, but I have made him too, which is a woman. He has made a woman, a man and a woman to move forth and advance the kingdom of God. Isn't that awesome? All things belong to God because he forms them and he has made them. Isn't that awesome? So why are we doing this? For his glory, allow him to form us. Allow him to make us in what we need to do. 2 Corinthians 4, 7. And this is where we really start turning here because I want to think more about the glory. This is, these next couple verses are all about the glory, okay? Because we're doing this for his glory. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. That is the excellence, that is the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. All right, why are we in relationship? Because each of us is a vessel. And it says, we have this treasure in an earthen vessel. Come here, Niana. I love this. We have this, come on, Niana. Look at this little vessel, right? This is a little vessel. And in it is a, is a treasure, okay? Now, we might not be able to see hear or know everything about that, but she actually has, she is an earthen vessel that has, there's an excellence of power that's already in her. Isn't that, Nana, you're dangerous. You're dangerous because the excellence of power of God is going to be formed and made in her as long as she accepts the call. If she accepts that call, it's going to work what? Now. You accept that call, don't you? Yes, she wants it to. She wants to grow. So just desiring God starts stirring the excellence of that power. That may God, it may be of God and not of us. It's not going to be of her. God already has. I love it. It's like an unopened little gift, something that he already has for you just to pull a bow. Wrapped gifts are awesome. People need to start getting excited about wrapping gifts for people because it's so fun to look at the bow and look at the wrapping because you don't know what's in side. Do you know, it's so hard for people who have to know everything. I have a daughter that hates to get a gift unless she knows what's in the package. And I think that's wrong because, you know, the Lord says that we are like jars of clay, okay, and that we contain his glory. So we already, because we're born after Christ, we contain his glory. I liked it when that man gave that testimony, saying that he watched his wife change from the woman she used to be physically to the woman that the whatever disease she had caused her to change. But God made him look beyond her clay pot. He made her look beyond and know what was really in her. So God, he will reveal himself in two ways to us. Okay? He reveals himself in two ways for us to recognize his glory. Go ahead and put Psalms 19.1. Psalms 19.1. We have to know it's important what we carry. Even people who don't know it, people are lost, carry the potential for that glory. All right? The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. What this is saying is when God created the earth, he already created it to declare the glory of God. 
When he created the heavens, he created the first heaven, he created the heavens up above, and he created the firmament where he took half the waters of the earth and carried them up to heaven. And guess what? We're mostly made up of water. We could like, I love it. When we worship him, our bodies connect with heaven through the water. Isn't that awesome? When you really put that in perspective, our general, that is our first general revelation of God is his creation. Todd, when I first met Todd, he'd say, hey, did you see that bird? Did you see this? I never saw it. <laughs> but there is something when every, God speaks to everybody through just his creation of the earth. Rachel, one of the ways I know she sees God is she loves the way the sun rises. That girl will run out to the dock before sunrise. I'll stay in my bed and worship. <laughs> Not that I don't appreciate his creation. She just note that's how she's noticing him. Do you know what I mean? Do you ever notice something in creation and you just go, wow. You know, you think about it. Look at the food we eat. Think about how all that comes from the earth, all right? So when we think of God, our first revelation is usually us being in awe of his signs and his wonders and the miracles of his creation of the earth. Our second revelation is a specific revelation that is inspired in his word, in his living word, Jesus. Go to Psalms 19.7. The Lord says in Psalms 19.7, he shows us that the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Now that's powerful because Jesus came to fulfill the law. So the law of the Lord is perfect because he sent his son to do what? Fulfill it. And he says, but it has to do with converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. That means there is, he did it. He already conquered the victory. He already, he was, he already died on the cross. He was buried. He had a day of rest and he was resurrected. And so if you think about this, the testimony, it is sure. Making wise the simple. Sometimes we look so hard about why we're here. What are we supposed to be doing? When we're all here to help advance the kingdom of God on the earth. We are to keep pushing forward with him and he provides everything we need to do our job. We think too much about the physical. We think too much about the things that are around us. We, we worry too much about the materialistic. When God wants us to recognize this specific revelation that is inspired through his son, it is perfect. It is pure. It, sometimes we can make things so complicated that when he sets it straight, we start laughing because it was so simple. It was so simple. Isn't that awesome? So we need, to, we need to really keep in mind that all things belong to God and that we are carriers like jars of clay. We are carriers for him. Now, I don't know if I missed a verse on that, but we are vessels that contain his glory because I think there was a verse that said about the jars of clay. But we are actually, his glory is revealed to man's mind, which is converting the soul. That is the revelation that we're supposed to be experiencing. If we are worshiping him and we are spending time with him, it's about the conversion of our soul to experience the revelation of Christ. All right. And that's a hard thing to understand because some people get really into, how can I put it? Some people can really get into loving the, how's the word say it? Loving the creature, not the creator. Okay, now think about this. Sometimes we get so hooked on a person 
that we start liking the creature. Right, we can get so into nature and we can get so into how it works, we get caught up into loving the creation. Okay, I want you to think about this. Idols are loving things that are created. It's not just buying a statue. You can take a statue, call it a name, and, you know, bow to it if you want to do that. What we do today in the soul is we actually attach ourselves trying to figure out the simple. (laughs) Trying to figure out the simple. We actually try to dig and dig and dig and research. I know I've done it. We try to find another answer when it's just as we spend time with him, he wants to convert our soul into him. Isn't that awesome? The ultimate intercourse, the spirit, the soul, do you know what I mean? All becoming one. So it can hear and do what God has planned you to do. And in that, he's working things out of us. So isn't that awesome when you think about that? Philippians 4.19. I know you know some of these. Philippians 4.19. I don't want us to get into thinking always, I like this, Frank. Frank is trying to decide, should I marry her or should I not? But this is awesome. He said, I'm going to sanctify myself for 30 days, right? So he can figure out, so he can hear God and know how to move that because God already said, that's your wife. But now he's got to work. But he's got, I love this. When he started sanctifying, what happened? It hurts. He said to me, Lee, this hurts. He texts me. You know what I mean? And because he's going to become one with God so he can hear him. And see, that's why he came for the second round, right? All right. Sometimes, how many of us have done this? You don't have to raise your hand. Just think. Where we have made a creation out of God's creation, and we kind of put more on that. And I'll tell you how you know if you're doing that. How you know you're doing that is you can come to teaching, you can go to church, and you can do all these things, but you don't go home and do anything with him. You don't even go home. You, just, you can come in here and believe what I told you, but if you don't go home and spend time with God and spend time with the word, then that means you're coming here and you've made this place an idol. You've made this the actual creator. Because I come in, I get fed. I come in, I get fed. What are you doing with it after? Okay, and that's a cycle that you see people go through in the church today. I mean, people sit quietly in the dead church of the Episcopalians and the good churches have their purpose. God hears people there. But the awesome thing is I never went home after service and seek God in any other form except for if I was desperate and I wasn't happy about something. Do you know what I mean? Because that's what we're all, I love how God made that for us. So it's awesome. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And what that means is that he will supply everything that we need to do our job in advancing the kingdom only according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. That means your soul has to be what? Converted. Your soul has to be converted in understanding who he is, how becoming one with him so you, he can actually convert that soul so you can actually do your job in advancing the kingdom of God. Doesn't that sound simple? Does it sound simple? Okay, but it's called commitment. One of the first things God showed me that in burial, that why do people have a hard time with death and burial? Because they don't want to really commit to give up the false things that they believe. Now, this is powerful. When the Lord had me studying judges, 
Do you know in Judges there are 12 judges? There are 12, ju- there are 12 judges in that dispensation. I thought that was interesting. 12 judges. And do you know every judge had something that had to do with converting a soul of understanding? I mean, it's so powerful. I'm just going to give you a couple. The first one was so awesome. I can't remember the judge's name. I mean, I'd have to go up and look at it. But the town was named Gushin. And that was, that's called a country between two rivers. All you have to do is look up the names of this stuff, and you got this figured out. A country between two, measures, between two rivers. When you looked it up, the other, there's another name of a city. It means oppression, black, provoking them to idolatry. Man, one of the first things we have to get over is what are we believing? One of the first things that we have to die and bury is what is the thing I'm believing? Put up my little... Put up my little word phrase. This is so cute. I found this way a long time ago. I found before you can set before. (laughs) It is so hard to teach up here after we have worshiped like this. I have to tell you, it's like you're switching gears really slowly. Before the truth can set you free, you need to recognize which lie is holding you hostage. It is. Which lie is holding us hostage? I think that's the first judge. That was the first thing he had to deal with in Judges. It says God was mad because the Israelites were evil, so he handed them over to this Cushion, Rish, whatever name, right? But what that means is a person between two rivers. Oh. Do you know what I mean? Oppression, provoking them to idolatry. When you come in here, the first thing that's going to be broke wide open is what do you believe? And everybody says, I believe God. I believe I love Jesus. But you're holding on to a lie. Somewhere we're holding on to a lie. That means we are believing in something that is a a creature. Okay, I'm sorry. Our ideas can be creatures. Because our ideas are fed off of another belief. So the first thing, before the truth the truth can set you free, you need to recognize which lie is holding you hostage. Boy, when I walked in this place, I could feel the nervousness. What was it? The lies were being shaken up. <laughs> the lies were being shaken up in my head. Not because anybody was pointing them out. It's because the more I stepped closer to the presence of God, Whew. They were making themselves known. Do you know what I'm saying? I'd be nervous to come over. I start sweating, you know? I just wasn't sure. I mean, I could tell you, I could feel, I say it all the time. I felt it from my feet to my head and in my head and what was ever. But that, do you believe that in judges, that is actually the first, the first thing that they had to overcome? It's figuring out what lie were they believing in? We kind of think, I love this. People say, and I know that Zinni has said this that it's nice that science is now catching up to God is really all powerful. And he created the what? He he is the creator, you know? So, but we have to remember the second judge was named Elglon, king of Moab. Well, you know what Elglon means? It means calf. It means steer. It means bullock. Being led by a person who controls your movement. A steer is a castrated bull a bullock is and all they're doing is trying to control you in which way you need to go it's called the place of the heifer (laughs) I wish Carrie was here for this because we got a heifer story you know (laughs) 
They are overweight, they are fat, they are in control, and I like it. Moab is known as the mother of air bombs. Negative words. Air blasts. Now, isn't that powerful? So then the next thing, now, yeah, that's, it's called the mother, I'm, t- I'm telling you. When I looked this up, because when the Lord showed me, it said, every sentence said, now God was mad because the Israelites did evil, so he handed them over to this nation. Well, this is what those nations were. God was handing them over so that they could become overcomers, so they could overcome the lie. So guess what? The second one had to do with the control of man. How many of us get stuck into being controlled by man? Moms, dads, uh, bosses. I'm not saying we are to respect authority. The word tells us to do that. But sometimes we have to overcome not putting someone on a pedestal. I watch it all the time. People come in here, they put Gene on a pedestal. He's God. Do you know what I mean? No, he's a man in Christ doing what he's called to advance the kingdom of God. All right? And so, and that's the thing. They start fearing him more than fearing God. Ah, come on. The creature and the creator. How many people have been through that? Come on. I mean, when I wanted to please him and do the job right, was I really doing it for God or was I doing it to please him? I was doing it to please him at first. And so, but when the, the shears gift, the gear shifted, I do, I still work to please him. <laughs> and but I please God first. That's what's the most important. I please him first. So now the beautiful thing, the third judgment, the third judgment in Judges, this is so awesome. I'm not going through all 12. I'm just going to hit the first five. The third judgment, because these are important. These are important for us to know that the glory of God is in this earthen vessel to help us overcome the oppression of the lie. It's in the earthen vessel to help us what? Get over controlling man, man pleasing, letting us please God. All right. The third, this is so awesome, which was Deborah. Okay. At that time. Um, and it was King Jabin, King of Canaan. And now he didn't come alone. He, God handed the Israelites over to this king of Canaan, Jabin. And this guy also had a sidekick. His name was um, Sisera, the commander Sisera. So this wasn't just a one person. This was now some two dudes, right? Okay, so he handed them over to Jabin of Canaan. And guess what that means? It means wise in fear. Now, come on, wise in fear, right? It says paralyzed in fear. That's what the man's name means, paralyzed in fear. Now, come on, do you get the build here? First, we got to realize what the lie is. Second thing, we got to figure out, okay, am I doing this for God or if I'm doing this for man? But then as we walk towards what God has for us to overcome, what happens to us? Paralyzing fear. Man, praise God for Deborah and... It's a guy, Barak. Am I saying it right? They were assigned to do this together, but it was awesome. Sisera, his name is a servant of evil, the adversary. The commander Sisera was the servant of evil. Okay, you know what Deborah did to him? I love this. They took the troops, they narrowed down, and this woman, this woman, God wanted to bless this woman. She drew him into a tent. She took a peg and she put it through his... His head, she killed fear. Do you know what I mean? In the day, if a woman killed a man, she should have been stoned. Everything done, nothing was done to her. She was protected. Deborah sang a victory song because in that dispensation, they overcame what? 
fear. They overcame emotionalism. It was incredible. Isn't this awesome? And I love this. It says, wise in fear, paralyzing fear, giving way to despondency. Man, I had to look that word up. (laughs) It sounds like a word I should know, right? Despondency. When I looked it up, feeling of low spirits, loss of hope or courage, dejection, sad, depressed. These are the side effects of what those words mean. Isn't that incredible? That's what we feel when we're in fear, paralyzed. You could be walking towards what God has you and fear hits. Despondency. You you can get near. You can get near a commander like Cicero. (laughs) I'm saying they walk around. That's what I was trying to tell you last week. When we have to, if we're going to bury something, we got to know how to do what? Kill it right? We have to know how to fight against what's already out there. God said that in, he did not get rid of all the nations. He left them so we could learn what? What did you learn last week? We could learn how to war. This is part two. Get part one because God still wants us to learn how to war against fear. He wants us to learn how to war against man-pleasing. He wants us to know how to step out in the confidence because we're doing it with Christ but we still walk in a world that who has some dominion, right? The enemy, if we agree with him, but remember, I started this off. We are to learn what we're to do to advance the kingdom because Jesus already did what? He already conquered the curse. He already gave us the victory. So if we know the name, if we know the blood, if we know the word of our testimony and we are not living for ourselves, we're living unto him. He'll act to show us exactly just like he didn't judge us how to overcome. Now, this is the one we're really going to focus on today. I love the story of Gideon because um, Gideon, it, it was a long one. It took up a lot of pages. So in Judges, it was really important, okay? But remember, there are 12 Judges, and you can reinforce and check what Judges, you guys can keep on and doing this. I just did the first couple. But I like this next one because it had to do, Midian means, it says that they had did what? What was it? Every line. The Israelites did evil in the sight of God. So now he handed them over. And and every time they had victory, they had years of rest. Every time they had a victory, they'd have years of what? Rest. So sometimes, I love this, every time we grow in the glory, we grow one measure at a time. And we have something to overcome. It could be paralyzing fear. This could be, what was one of them? Man-pleasing. Whatever it is, God knows the time for you, what you're going to have to overcome. So... I like this. There's a time when God handed them over to Midian. Midian was actually one of the sons of Abraham out of his six later. But Midian means strife. It means strife. And so, and that means, wow, we're going to talk about why can't we sometimes move on? Because we're holding on to strife that comes to us. It's an oppression of our soul. Because remember, we're learning to what? convert this soul. If we know that we have Christ in us and his glory is growing in us, we're going to overcome these things. Isn't that awesome? So let's go to, you ready? Are we ready? In fact, I forgot a couple verses. I kind of jumped around, but you guys are all good, right? Okay, here we go. Remember, the purpose of judges is for us to learn how to battle in faith. It's for us to learn how to overcome those things. In fact, the most beautiful thing about Judges is some of the nations that are in Judges were even set before Abraham. Some of them have always been in existence. 
Gideon was a man, and he showed us a demonstration. Hold on for a sec. All right. God's glory is constant. I just want to say that. He showed it to us, he shows it to us in demonstrations all through the Bible. He showed it to us through the Old Testament so we could learn order. He showed it to us in the New Testament so we knew what victory was. All right? So we talked about last week Jesus and how Jesus was buried and how he had to work out his soul. All right? I want to show you how Gideon dealt with his stronghold. All right? So please start off with Gideon. I don't know what chapter that is. It's chapter 6, verse 11. 6, verse 11. And we're going to take these one at a time. Gideon showed us how we are. I loved all the detail about Gideon because Gideon was a leader called, all right? He has to battle. This is the testimony of Gideon. Isn't this awesome? So here's a testimony. I love it. Jesus fulfills the proper prophet, fulfills the promise, but he shows us something. It says, now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terabith tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the so-and-so, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the wine press in order to hide it from the Midians. Okay, this is very important. When God brings us into a place that we're going to grow and learn who he is, he hides us. He puts us in Gideon threshed wheat at the threshing floor, all right, in a wine press. Okay, when they press grapes, they are pressing out, and they're trying to get out what isn't him. Who knows, the wrong lie, the, the controlling do you know what I mean? Of man, whatever. A wine press is to condense something. But I liked it. But he did this while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the wine press in order to hide it from the Midians. I liked it. Gideon was a secret that they did, Midians didn't want to. Guess what? Everybody in here is a what? Secret. I like this. Kingdom Life Ministry is a place so we can have our souls converted. We come in a place and we are a secret. Because the enemy does not know everything, all right? So God has in our earthen vessels a great glory that has to be developed. Go to verse 12. Aren't you excited to be a secret? (laughs) That makes me excited. I love adventure. I like to feel like there's a little spice on something, all right? Judges 6, 12 says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. I like that. The angel already kind of tells you something about yourself. He's going to be a mighty man of valor. Valor means great courage in the face of danger, especially in battle. So the angel already came and started telling him what he's going to be. And guess what the opposite of valor is? Coward. (laughs) Coward is the opposite of valor because a coward is somebody who does not want to face the danger. They don't want to have to break the oppression that's coming towards them. But God knew Gideon was a coward. Gideon really was a coward. He did not want to do it. He, was, he wasn't hiding for more than just one reason, all right? So don't you love this? Go to verse 13. Now remember, Midian means strife. Gideon said to him, oh my Lord, I love this. If the Lord is with us, now come on, let me just move my stand so you can all read this. 
Because the first thing I'm going to show you is, he said, oh my Lord. His Lord is lowercase. That means he really didn't believe, okay? If the now Lord that he knows is real, but he doesn't believe is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And why were all his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But how the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midian. Strife, okay? Come on. Failure complains, right? <laughs> Some of us got that text this week. Failure complains. So he already started doing what? Complaining because he had doubt. He didn't believe. Isn't this awesome? Okay, I love this. Midian means strife. It comes, I love this, Midian. He's the fourth son of Abraham. I just like giving you the, for Emerald too, like facts, right? Now I want to step back. Okay, go to verse two really quick. When Israel, I love it. If you're called Israel, are you a baby or are you mature? Right. When Jacob was growing into who he was called to advance the kingdom of God, his first name was Jacob. His, his name that God gave him was what? Israel, because he was matured. He should know better. At the hand of, I want to just say strife. <laughs> At the hand of Midian, strife, prevailed against Israel. Because the, of the Midians, the children of Israel made for themselves dens, caves, and the strongholds which are in the mountains. I like it. We have to know what we're really believing. We have little caves of ideas. We have little things that we hide. We have things we don't want to tell anybody. We have our little caves. They're, they're the, that's unforgiveness. That's what? Shame. That's what? Rejection. They're all connected to this. So why? And the hand of the means prevailed against Israel. That means strife was prevailing against Israel because Israel was hiding some things. He was covering up the lie in his what? Dens and caves and the strongholds which are in the mountains. Please go to verse 3. So it was whenever Israel had sown strife, would come up. So, Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. Now, the Amalekites, that was a nation that was created before Abraham. They were already bad, okay? They were already tough. That's just how it was. So not only did the strife come up, but so did some backup because Israel had sown. Now, I want you to think about that. Because Israel had sown into their caves. They sown into their strongholds. Every time they got into rebellion, strife arose. And then some other things came from the east against them. That means things just start to increase. Every time somebody doesn't forgive, every time somebody doesn't honor, every time somebody doesn't accept, and you're doing the opposite, you are inviting that into your life. The moment you complain, you are sowing. The moment you get angry, you guys know the list, right? Can you put up the list of the three strongholds really quick? I'll just remind you what they are. If you sow into anger, bitterness, envy, pride, jealousy, complaining, rebellion, pride, controlling, cursing, money, self-centeredness, masking, deception, sex for approval, man-pleasing, my highest ringer, right? 
materialism, non-trusting, fears, and manipulation. Every time they would sow, Israel would sow into that, then the strife and the attacks would come right to them. Has nothing to do with the people around you. Come on, people. The whole thing is about the conversion of the soul. That's the, that's the victory Christ gave us. The moment we start connecting with that, we've just invited all that into our lives. And we were already redeemed from the curse. Come on. Do you get what I'm saying? Is this exciting? Okay. I get excited about this. The word does not lie. The Old Testament is, is a great tutor. Okay. Then we need to apply the promise of Christ. All right. So now that you see this, how many people today have sown into anger? How, I mean, I'm not asking you to raise your hand. How many people controlled something that they shouldn't have today? How many people, you know, non-trusting, materialism, whatever the list is, complaining. How many people complained? I'm telling you, once you sow and you are Israel, <laughs> you just invited the destroyer. You just invited that into your life. Okay. Go to verse four, please. Six, four. The enemy only shows up to what? Steal, kill, and destroy your peace that, God, that Jesus already came and died for us to have. He came and died for us to have life eternal and what? Abundant life in him. But if we're going to keep sowing in to these things that have been identified, well, it says this. Then the Midians, the strife, and all the other people that came with it would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor donkey. Now I'm going to hit you something. The enemy only comes when you're about to receive your harvest. Israel already came through. A lot. Israel knew better. Israel already knew that they had a relationship with God. Israel, right when... They connected with evil. These things, they shot up just like the strongholds do. And it was time for the harvest. That's when they encamped against to destroy the produce of the earth. You know, when we grow in Christ and Christ grows in us, there's a harvest in the earth that also comes to us. But if we sow in the wrong things, those other things come to us. Do you see the importance of burying this stuff? We have to bury it and it has to really be, we have to pass the tests. Remember, he set us up to do what last week? To test us. Who are we going to really, are we going to believe the lie? Or are we going to believe God? Are we going to stick with Christ? Or are we going to go do our own thing? Even though we know better. It's powerful. Go to verse 5, 6, 5. For they would come up with their livestock. So now they had things. They had, they had you know, they have items. And their tents coming in as numerous as what, everybody? Come on, don't you love it? <laughs> when I read this, you should see me screaming. I was like, ah, that is so awesome. Like this came to me so random. Ah, that was so awesome. Okay, coming in as numerous locusts. That means if you've already sown, it's just like what I talked about Jonah. Remember Jonah? When he paid the fare. All right, now he's going to have to take the course of this, you know. But this is what starts to happen. Remember, in Christ, we already have, we can stop it by what? Death, burial rest, resurrection. So I'm not trying to get you depressed. I'm trying to get you to notice the signs. What are the signs that are coming about? Well, locusts, the moment you have those thoughts attacking, reminding you everything from your past, bring up things to exaggerate. They start swarming. Then they start what? 
crawling out to people. Then they start what? Stripping people down, condemning. So the locusts are condemnation. So then we start feeling what? Condemned. Both they and their camels were without number, and they would enter the land to do what? Now, let me tell you something about a camel. Do you know why a camel is so important? Because a camel has how many humps? Two. Some have one, but they have two. What are in the humps? I know. I just learned that. I didn't know that. I'm so impressed you guys know that. Do you know a camel can go in the desert for a long time because it carries what? Its own water. So when the enemy comes, he comes with locusts and camels. That means he comes with his own water. You know, we got to be careful what water we're drinking. <laughs> we have to be careful what water we're drinking. We have to be drinking the word of God. Do you know what I mean? But camels have their own word. There are other doctrines out there, other lies, other things that we get into false knowledge. And we are carrying, we're carrying our camel with us, holding on to our locusts, right? Missing the advancing the kingdom of God. Don't you love this? Come on, are we laughing? I've carried my, I've ridden my camel, right? You know what I mean? I've had those places where we had to identify that truth. Gideon, I love this. Okay, so now we're, let's get back to Gideon. Gideon wasn't confident. He didn't believe in the Lord. Go to verse 14. But isn't that awesome? I want you to remember, this is what happens to us when God is trying to bring us a, the promise. Remember, we still live on this earth. And Satan still can come to steal, kill, and destroy what God has if we don't become strong in Christ. If we don't get the renewing of the, the intercourse of our spirit and our soul becoming one so our soul can produce what God needs us to do. That's why he's got to get fear, man-pleasing, all this stuff out of us. It says, then the Lord turned to him and said, go in the... Okay. Then the Lord turned to him and said... Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midians. Have I not sent you? So what he's saying is, trust me, because I have sent you. Go to the next verse 15. He, God sends an angel to confirm his assignment. How many people who know their assignments have been confirmed their assignments? Right? Prophets have come in. And if you don't know where your assignment is, guess what? Friday night at 7... There's a prophet coming in that can be like an angel and confirm something for you. We have a prophet coming what? Saturday, 10 to 4. If you don't know and you need a confirmation, come. If you ask the Lord, he's going to tell you. I love it when he said, did I not send you? Okay, now some, because sometimes we go and we're not trusting. We're not trusting that it's God, do we? Right? I can't see eyes. Okay. So he said to him, now look, Gideon's talking back, but Gideon's, that's changed. What did he say? Okay, now he put, say what? Capital L. He's like, I think this is really God talking to me. He's really, he already believed in the Lord, but he did not confess the Lord the first time. An angel came and confirmed his assignment of what he was to do, which was to help the Israelites defeat strife, defeat the Midians. So he said to him, oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Now he's like, hey, you're really speaking to me. How am I supposed to do this? How many people have heard their assignment and said, hey, no way. How am I going to do this? Gene walked back my office. You're a teacher. <gasps> no, I am not. How am I going to do that? I don't even know the Bible. <laughs> Isn't that funny? You, you don't think you have 
what God, we become cowards when we start out in this. We are cowards when we start out. I don't care. Everybody start out as a coward. Nobody's going to tell me any different. We can run away from something God has shown us to do. But God wants us to take the mindset on Midian. Now connect into relationship with me. How do you know he's in a relationship with God? They're talking back and forth through the angel. Okay, they're communicating now. So he says, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the what? Weakest in Manasseh. Manasseh. And I am the what? Least in my father's house. (laughs) Come on. God is always, how many people have felt that low? Come on. Do you know what I mean? How many people were told they were ugly, not smart, not this, you'll never make it, blah, blah, blah. It's amazing how the devil comes in and fills our head with all the most negative things, cause the worst circumstance to happen to us so that we become a coward just like Gideon. And we're like, yeah, okay, I'm getting that you're talking to me, but I can't, I, I am not of value. I am the least of my father's house and my clan is the weak. Why are you even calling on me? Right? That's the way, this is... Come on, everybody, this, this is what I love about this story. There isn't anybody when they get called by God that doesn't go through this order. I want you to pay attention to the order because guess what? After tonight, people really will bury some stuff. When you hear the end of this, people will bury some stuff. Because don't you want to be free? Yes. And don't you want to do what you're called to do? Which is to what? what remember, I, so we start off, what's the important? Because... For his glory, right? He's, why does he do all this? For his glory, not for us. He's doing it for his glory. We get enjoyment out of it. We actually, if we connect to it, we get enjoyment. All right, so now he's connecting with God. Go ahead to verse 16. So now he moved from being doubtful to kind of starting to connect with assignment. And the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you and you shall defeat the Midians as one man. Now, this is so awesome. God calls us as one man, not as one man. He calls us as one man in him, with him. He already says, what is one man? I will be with you. I loved all the songs we sang tonight. They went with this. I will be with you and you shall what? Defeat. It's already called. It's already there. You already are going to have this victory. All right, go to verse 17. Now, this is, we've done this. Everybody's going to laugh at this. Then he said to him, I like that, if now I have found favor, now he's kind of recognizing his value, now if I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who is really talking with me. So yeah, he was starting to know that this is, but how many people here have asked for a sign? I have. I would ask for signs every day, and he would give them to me too. That's the crazy part. He'd give them to me. I asked for another one. (laughs) I was like, could the devil create that sign? Oh, I didn't tell it to anybody else but me and him. All right, I got to take a drink break. All right. We have to ask for signs. I laugh at this. You don't know how many people we counsel to. I ask God for a sign. That's good. I did that too. That's a good thing. Because God, what's so awesome is he'll give you the sign. He did it for Gideon. And I'm not going to read the sign that he gave Gideon, but he gave Gideon a really good sign. And it was a sign that was supernatural. It wasn't a sign. It was a sign that only the creator could have done. Not by leaning on any creation. Not by believing in any man. It defied nature, the sign that he was given. And if you want to read that sign, 
just for you guys to know. You can go ahead, and that's, he, he goes on to verse 23 if you want to do that. But the awesome thing is, is God loved Gideon so much, and he wanted to give Gideon that confidence that he actually went ahead and gave him the sign. Isn't that beautiful? How many people have received a sign from God? Yes. All right. In verses, now I just want to make sure I get this right because I missed one part. And I appreciate your patience only because this is so in detailed that it's important that I get it right. Which verse is this, 17? I'm sorry, it's hard. It's hard. All right. Go ahead to verse 18. I feel like I'm missing something here. All right, yeah, we're going to jump. Okay. We're going to jump to, okay, we're going to jump to 622. Thank you for your patience. I really want to get it right. And the first time when Gideon was talking to God, he had doubt. The second time he was talking to God, he was building trust. But now as he conversed with God and God gave him his sign, in verse 22 it says, Now Gideon perceived, after receiving his sign, Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. Now he knew, he knew, he knew his assignment. So Gideon said, alas, O Lord, O Lord, what? God. Now he just wasn't Lord. He was, O Lord God. Do you get the build? Okay. O Lord God, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Now, isn't it awesome? There's a verse that tells us it's in, it's in Corinthians 13, verse 11. Can you put it up? 1 Corinthians 13, verse 11. I'm pretty sure that's it. It says, when I, oh, next verse, 12. It says, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. God already knew Gideon. Gideon didn't know him. Now Gideon, when he said, isn't that beautiful when he said that? Oh, Lord God, now I believe I've seen you face to face. Some of us in here have had experience where we've seen God. We have come into his presence face to face, and we know what our assignment is. It says, because for now we only see in a mirror. We don't know everything. We know everything in part. But Gideon, he want, God gave us a measure of faith, and he asks us to keep what? Working out our salvation, going from glory to glory so we can see more of his face. We can grow more of him, and we become like a puzzle being connected. He gives us a different part every time of our assignment. He couldn't give it all to us, the power that's in this earthen vessel, because we wouldn't be able to what? Handle all that power. So there is a time that we shall know just as also I also am known. So there's a part that we're actually going to come to the revelation of who we really are, of what, how God really sees us. We, not all of us, we're not there yet. I'm not there yet. I can't completely see all that God sees in me, but I know that I can't wait for that time when I receive the fullness of the glory so that I, I will know what is that. Each of us wants to know who wants to know, right? You want to know. I wrote these questions down where I thought, who are we worshiping? I loved it. Gideon didn't really know who he was worshiping. He had to say, oh, Lord. Then he said, oh, Lord, like he believed. Then he said, oh, Lord God. Do you see how our faith gets increased 
every measure, every experience, every time. There's a measure of glory in this earthen vessel that starts to what? Increase. So why do we do it for his glory? How can we, how can we, how can we stop it? By not pressing, by not keeping in communication with him. It's so important. All right. In verses 24 to 35, this is beautiful. I'm not going to read it all. But God actually sets order in the house. He actually, God tells him, he says, okay, I'm in. You gave me the sign, we're going to move and we're going to go. But he says, okay, now you're going to have to set everything in order. You're going to have to cut down all the wrong altars. And then you're going to have to build an altar on a rock for me. So God started moment he came into agreement with his assignment. Now he gave him his instruction because he could do what? Hear. So he gives him his instruction to destroy the altar of Baal, to cut it down, and now to build an altar to the Lord. That's the first thing people have to do when they come in here. We have to start. It is amazing how we have to. It's like a cut and a surgery, cutting out all the things that you put before God. And we actually help set everybody set their altar in here. People don't go home and worship all the time. They just worship in here. But you're supposed to be worshiping him here, learning how to set your altar, and then do what when you go home? Right, worship. In verses, and I'm just giving you this window so you can study this, how he set the order. Then in verses 36 to 40, he asked for a second sign. Now, isn't this funny? So now he does some of the instruction. Now he asks for a second sign. But the awesome thing, this second sign wasn't because he wasn't sure of his assignment. It was his second sign he was asking him for a deeper divine revelation, knowing that God's presence was going to go with him. And the most beautiful thing is God gave him the sign. The moment he asked, God said, I gave this to him because he was building his courage, moving him out of being a coward and moving him into being a mighty man of valor. All right. So now let's get ready for the battle. All right, we're gonna, now we're going to hit the battle. Here he did all the things. He set the right tone. He asked for his signs. Now it's time for the third witness that moves us. We move by witness. Go to chapter 7, verse 2. And, you know, keep in mind, God does not share the glory. It's one of the things he's working with all of us. Every time we grow in a measure of the glory, he reminds him that he does not share the glory with a man. He doesn't share the glory with an idol. He doesn't share his glory. That everything he's building it for you is for what? His glory, but he wants to work through man, a transformed one man. And that's now what he's teaching Gideon. It says, and the Lord said to Gideon, the people who are with you are too many for me. To give the Midians into their hands, lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, my own hand has saved me. Now, I love this. Now, we already heard the Midians came and all these other forces were coming against him. And he tells them, okay, the Lord said, the people who are with you are too many for me to give to the Midians. Gideon's probably like, hey, I need all the help I can get. But he says, nope, they're too many for me. So he says, lest, it, lest you Israel, you mature Christian, <laughs> claim glory for itself against me. Now, I'm going to ask you, as we grow from glory to glory, that's the temptation of the devil. 
The devil wants you to jump into fame. The devil wants you to believe it's you. The devil wants to convince you that it's your glory. But in all the stories of the word, when Jesus couldn't have done it without who? The father. He gave all he said to the, he said in his crucifixion, now it's time to do what? Glorify the father through me. Okay, that's the way he's already laying that groundwork. Go to verse three. Verse three says, now, therefore, proclaim in the hearing of the people saying, whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. And 22,000 people returned and 10,000 remained. (laughs) Okay, when you are about to go into battle to overtake the enemy, everybody wants to do it with you because if they love you. Oh, I'm with you on that. I'm with you. And then you turn around. Okay, if you're fearful or afraid that you're going to die, or you're fearful or afraid of something that bad's going to happen, I'm, I'm letting you go now. Look at it. 22,000 people returned and 10,000 remained. Okay, so he lost what? 22,000 people returned, 10,000 remained. So he, that's one third left with him. Go to the next verse. So sometimes, now you know what God is showing me? When we're about to go into battle, there are certain people who cannot go with you. There are certain, there are people out there that cannot go with you. And all you have to do is say, this is where I'm going. And if they really are afraid, they're going to back away. They're not going to go with you. How many people have experienced that? The slimming of people. It says, but the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. Bring them down to the water and I will test them for you there. Now I like it. He is hearing God's instructions. Then it will be. That of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, the same shall go with you, and whomever I say to you, this one shall not go with you, the same shall not. That means he says, keep having them come to the water, and now I'm going to tell you how to say this one's going to go. He had to listen to what? The voice of the Lord. He had to heed the voice of the Lord. Take this one, nope, not this one. Take this one, nope, not this one. Go to the next verse. So he brought the people down to the... That's not the, oh, so he brought the people down to the water and the Lord said to Gideon, everyone who laps from the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set apart by himself. Likewise, everyone who gets down on his knees to drink. Next verse. And the number of those who lapped, putting their hands to their mouth was 300 men, but all the rest of the people got down on their knees to drink. Next verse. Then the Lord said to Gideon, by the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and deliver the Midians into your hands. Let all the other people go, every man to his place. Now, it doesn't mean that those people were bad. It means God was skimming it down so much that now there's only 300 soldiers to go against two large nations. Now, how do you feel now? How does Gideon feel now? Is he ready to turn around? And go back because how did they battle back then? They battled physical death. So now think about that. We just have to renew our souls. They are actually fighting for their lives. But I got to keep in mind with you. When we fight, when we renew this soul, we are fighting for our, our lives. Because there is an eternal glory being formed into us that is being built in heaven. And so if our soul does not get renewed, we can miss what God has for us in heaven. 
Isn't that serious? So it is about life and death. But in this way, they like lost their life at an instant. Go to the next verse. So the people took provisions and their trumpets in their hands. And he set away all the rest of Israel. Every man to his tent and retained those 300 men. Now the camp of Midian was below him in the valley. Okay, so they had to already take a trumpet. So now the awesome thing, verse 9. Go to verse 9. So he gave him, they, gave, they received their provision. It happened on the same night that the Lord said to him, Arise and go against the camp, for I have delivered it into your hand. There are things God has already told you what to do, where to go, but have you decided to do it? He's even already given you the provision. How many of us miss the boat sometimes, right? We've missed it. How many times have we gotten it? Where God handed you the provision, he told you where to go, and he told you to do it, and you kept thinking, I can't do it. It's so powerful. All right, go to verse 12. So now the Lord said go, and he already told him, you're going to win. Isn't it awesome? Jesus already told us that we won. Do you see the parallel? We already have the victory. Why are we not? Why are we not pressing in? Why are we not staying in relationship? Why are we not worshiping? Why are we not pressing more into the word? Because he'll give us the answer. We have to have that confidence. It says now the Midians and the Amalekites. Did I get right? And and all the people of the east were lying in the valley as numerous as locusts. And their camels were what? Without number as the sand of the seashore in the multitude. Now I love this because go to verse 50. Oh, so he's describing their power again. He's now, I love it. He's letting him, he could get afraid again by thinking of all they have. Go to verse 15. And so it was when Gideon heard the telling of the dream. Now in between 12 and 15, God already says, I'm going to show you that they know they're going to lose. He actually gives them a third confirmation. Do you know we walk by witness? So sometimes we ask for a first sign because it bears with our spirit. And then we ask for a second sign because it's got to start what? Becoming one with our soul. But then there's a call that we hear to go and we are released to do what we are to do. In verse 15, it says, and so it was when Gideon heard the telling of the dream, he actually heard the Midians talking. One of the soldiers had a dream and said, hey, I dreamed they're going to overtake us. He already had a dream. So God already told him the interpretation that it says telling of the dream and its interpretation that he worshiped. He returned to the camp of Israel and said, arise for the Lord has delivered the camp of the Midians into your hand. Isn't that awesome? He doesn't tell him once. He tells him what? Twice. And he has the opposite team tell them that. So the beautiful thing is get to verse. I just want to go through a couple more verses because now it says how he takes the victory over verse 19. Now Gideon's confident. He said, I'm ready to go. And this is what we're going to do. And so Gideon and the hundred men who were with him came to the outpost of the camp. And at the beginning of the middle watch, just as they had posted the watch and they blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers that were in their hand. When God gave Gideon instructions, he said, now take a trumpet in your one hand. He said, he, in the posting of the watch and broke 
and broke the pitchers that were in their hands. He sent them in with a pitcher, a torch, and a, and a trumpet. So Gideon says, we're going to go, and we're going to surround them. And when I say go, you're going to blow the trumpet, drop the pitcher, and then the flames will go. And the most beautiful thing is when the flames arised, the enemy fleed. So he gave them three provisions to go in, 300 men with a trumpet, and they were told to break the pitchers that were in their hands. Please go back to unforgiveness, shame, and rejection. Now I'm going to tell you, when God sends us to the battle, he gives us a trumpet. What's the trumpet? Our voice to speak the word that we're instructed. Then, now what's up with the pitcher thing, right? Okay, I studied what that meant from that time. When they carried a torch and they were going into battle, there would be a glass pitcher that would surround the torch and it would lower the light. Do you know when light has less oxygen, it does what? It comes down so it can't be seen. All right? So as they were walking towards the camp, that they already knew that they were going to what? Win, but they didn't know how to win. Gideon said, I'm giving you a trumpet. I'm giving you this torch with a pitcher. But when I call for you to break the pitchers, they'll see the light. All right? So as they approached the camp, Gideon said, now blow the trumpet. They blew the sound. Okay? And there's a spirit behind the sound. And then all of a sudden he said, now drop the pitchers. And all the pitchers dropped and shattered. And then the light illuminated. Every time when we want to go into battle, you guys want to bury some stuff, you're going to have to break some pitchers. Because we are earthen vessel. And the light of God is in us. We are a vessel. We can actually hover that light to where it is so dim. We cannot even see the glory because we don't know the fullness of it yet. We have to walk by faith. It's a journey of faith. So as we're walking out, the moment that a pitcher of anger breaks, what lifts up? The glory, the light within you, the word, envy. Every time you break a pitcher, you go from what? Glory to glory. You increase your light, and when the light was increased, the enemy just what? They never had to fight. There was no one physical fight. It was just because the light was seen out of darkness. Isn't that beautiful? So this is, this is the way. How are you guys going to bury something? Well, first thing is you got to spend time in the Word. you got to know what is one of these things that you're burying. We have pinned to the cross. A lot of these words are on that cross. We have pinned them to the cross. We have crucified to the cross. Now we have to bury it. But we have to bury it because once it's buried, what will increase? The light that's already in the earth, the excellence of the glory of God. We should be so motivated to identify something on this list and say, that is what I'm bearing this season. This is what I'm going to, the opposite of unforgiveness is what? Forgiveness. That's how you bury it. If you have unforgiveness, you start forgiving. What's the opposite of shame? Honor. So how do you, how do you defeat shame? You have to break some pictures. You start what? Honoring the people you don't want to honor. How do you deal with rejection? Acceptance. Man, start accepting the people, loving people. And then boom, all those things start to what? Pictures shatter. And then a measure of his glory increases of you. Isn't that beautiful? The word shows us that the sound of the trumpet was the voice. The pictures was the man's glory dying. 
Man, that's man's glory, anger. That's man's glory, envy, jealousy. That's all man's glory. They actually die and then they get buried. The torches are the light of the resurrection. You are light carriers. We carry an excellent light in us that God wants to show his glory. I loved it. The enemies fleed. They didn't even look at them. Go to chapter 8, verse 3. Chapter 8, verse 3. And I know this is a lot. I tried to cut out, but when you guys read the whole story from start to finish, which I would love for everybody to do, you're going to be like, wow, wow, wow. It says, God has delivered into your hands the princes of the Midian, Orbid, and Zebed. And what was I able to do in comparison with you? Then their anger towards him subsided when he said that. It's so beautiful. What was I able to do in comparison with you? It is so beautiful. They actually crossed over now into believing what he was to do. And they killed not just the Midians, but they killed three, three princes. Okay? Midian means what? Right. Orbid means raven. And Zeb means... I had this written down. Wolf. Now, isn't that powerful? So not only when he went into battle going for one to deal with strife, he also dealt with a raven and he dealt with the wolf. And so that's what God is doing as we are releasing. There are bursts in us. You know, like how it's bursting. We sing that song, jump in the river because it's bursting. Every time we overcome one of these, there is some, God's glory is bursting out through us. Put up Judges 531. I just have three more verses. Thank you for your patience. Was it a good story? Yes. Okay. It is awesome. It says, I like this. This is a victory. This is the last word of a victory call. Thus let all your enemies, what? Perish, O Lord. They're not enemies of yours. They're enemies of God. They're the enemies that want to stop from advancing you from what doing what you're called to do in the earth. The enemies are not against you. They're against what? God's advancement. Man, if he can keep you away from rejecting people, if he can keep you rejecting people, if he can keep you dishonoring people, and he can keep you not forgiving people, well, then you can't advance the kingdom of God. You are not, we have to get to a level of our vessel that we can do our job one shattered pitcher at a time. All right, please put up for me. Jesus, in Jesus, we have the glory of the new covenant. 2 Corinthians 3, 4, 5. You can put up both. 2 Corinthians 3, 4, 5. And it says, and we have such trust through Christ towards God. We have to trust who? God. It says, not that we are sufficient of ourselves, to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. Go to 2 Corinthians 3, 9 through 11. It is all about his glory. It says, for in the ministry of condemnation had glory. There's actually a glory in man's spirit of anger. There is a glory in man's spirit of bitterness. There is a glory in man's spirit of rebellion, but it's his glory. 
a condemnation had glory. The ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. For if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. And what I'm trying to say is if you're willing to walk this out and keep going towards what you're called to do, then that means what shatters and breaks away. It's not worth it because the passing away of that glory, if you like being angry and you like being angry at people, it makes you feel good, powerful. Well, that glory is going to pass away because what remains is much more glorious. So we have to go through the process of death, identifying it, burying it. And then in the burial, when it is buried because we are committed because we are praying, because we are praising God, because we're doing, and we're allowing ourselves to be judged by the word. If we allow ourselves to go through that process, it says what remains is much more glorious. That means as the dark residue has fallen down, that pitcher breaks, the torch increases its light. And what it's developing in is more glorious. This is more glorious than what this man, this man, I love it. Put up James 1.10. This is awesome. This man right here could be the richest man in the world. Could, be, could have everything. But if it doesn't go through death, burial, rest, and resurrection, it has nothing. It says, but the rich in his humiliation, because as a flower of the field, he will what? Pass away. That old man, that lost man, he may think he's got all the riches. He's got it down. I walked in here like that. I thought I had it down. I had a big house. I had a great car. I made over $100,000, I mean $300,000 a year. I thought I was what? Rich, right? Because of the way the things around me looked. But I wasn't really like that. I mean, I don't really look at myself like that. But, I mean, but that's what people probably saw when they looked at me. They probably, she got it all. She got a great house. She's got this. She's got that. But guess what? I had no what? Humiliation. <laughs> I love it. It says, it, I, I read this another way too. But the rich in his humiliation. Now I'm going to tell you something. We can be rich and have things because God wants us like what Sheila said. God wanted to bless her with that Lincoln. But Sheila has gone through the proper humiliation. She has gone through some deaths. She has gone through some burials. She's been in rest. And now she is receiving resurrection. So do you get what I'm saying? As we, we have a way we image ourselves, and we think we're all that in a bag of chips. We really do. That's my sister saying. My sister Lisa always said that. I'm all that in a bag of chips. Good for you, right? <laughs> she did. She, always, she still says that. But sometimes we think that, right? We think we have it all together. But we are really dying inside because the glory. Do you know when that glass of a pitcher covers a torch? That, that flame can't go anywhere. It's fighting the space of air. When the pitcher drops, the flame what? Increases. We sometimes hold up our own pitchers. When Jesus already came and did what? Died for them. We hold those sins up. And I like this because our physical is like the grass. One day, like that man said, her body what? She passed away, right? But God allowed him to be able to see the beauty of the riches of his glory that was in her, in her vessel. And he said he did what? 
he fell back in love with her. Man, when we don't give up on each other or give up on our assignments and we wait on what God has for us, he is going to fulfill his glory. And it's going to be a great light, something that you have not experienced. Because as we read last week, everything is what? New. The old passes away and the new shall come out. But I love it. It's a what? It's a process. Put up that picture from the beginning. We're going to end with that. Isn't that awesome? Fall in love with the process, and the results will come. Isn't it awesome how, awesome. Isn't it awesome how Gideon turned out to be such a kind of coward, not trusting God, but God already knew what he saw in him and how he even started calling him a mighty man of valor? How many people, are we looking at ourselves and calling us what God has called us? Okay, I know this was a little bit long. What's the time check? <gasps> how long I've been teaching. Really? I am sorry, but it was a good lesson. I mean, actually, yeah. I mean, everybody was so captivated. Like, I think the only one that walked out was Jean. <laughs> everybody else stayed in their spots. No. Was this good? Was it good? Did you get it? Okay. All right. I knew that this was going to be long. I mean, you, this lesson had so much to it that I am encouraging everybody to read about the verses of glory. Know that he has something special. And he is asking us to do things that seem what? Impossible. He's asking us to do things that seem impossible. But he already has something greater for us. And I just want everybody to be excited and meditate on his word so that they can grow in that. And I'm sorry I kept it so long. Praise God. Let's pray. Let's pray. <laughs> Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you so much for time, because time has been put into the universe so you could test our patience. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, Lord. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that dwells within us, Lord, who is the guarantee of all truth. So, Lord, as we tap into that and you start dwelling in our hearts and growing and renewing our souls because the conversion of our soul is, so, it is the battlefield. Lord, we thank you for giving us the provision that we need to move forth. Lord, we thank you for giving us the stories of the Old Testament to show us how we are to attack and press in and know that you are our Lord God. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Okay, we need some jumpy music now. We need some jumpy music. I know, but honestly, that was really...